Join founder of I Am a Watchman Ministries, Scott Townsend, with co-host Dylan Burroughs, bringing you a fascinating discussion regarding the importance of Bible prophecy and Christian living today as it relates to our responsibility as believers to be watchmen. This is A View from the Wall. Welcome to today's episode of A View from the Wall. I'm Dylan Burrows, along with I Am a Watchman founder, Scott Townsend, and thank you for joining us today. In today's episode, we are joined by Joanne Arnett. Joanne is a contributor to our devotional book, 99 Days on the Wall, and serves as a Bible study leader for women at her local church. She also serves on staff with Behold Israel Ministries, a prophecy ministry based in the land of Israel. Joanne, welcome to the program today. Thank you so much, Dylan and Scott. It's such a privilege to be on your program, and we appreciate all that you guys are doing for the watchmen and watchwomen around the world. Well, thank you. Yes, well, it's our honor. And Joanne, as we begin today, we want people to hear your story, and we want to start with the conversation of your involvement as a watchwoman of the Lord. So as we start today, tell us a little bit of your journey into focusing on Bible prophecy, as well as some of your own personal testimony of faith in Jesus Christ. I grew up uh, inner city. Uh, My mom was a single mom, six kids. I was five the first time my dad left, and then he came back, and then I was seven the second time he left. Dealt with a lot of rejection through my life. And, um, but we grew up in a um, Catholic church, went to Catholic school. But when I was about nine or 10, uh, my neighbor um, took me to church with them, and where I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I knew things were different, and um, I truly made that commitment. In fact, I was ready to go be baptized right away, and I was like, oh, I better go ask my mom. And so I didn't follow through on that um, respect, but um, fortunately did many years later. Um, So I grew up, and it was like I had this search in my heart of why is there Jesus, why is there God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit? and all these different denominations. Well, my mom um, was so good because she she said, as long as you go to Mass, you can go to these other churches. So I just grew up going to other churches, seeking, searching. And, um, you know, I I did that for quite a while to the point of that I was questioning things in my Catholic school. People didn't like it um, because I questioned, why do I have to go to... Um, talk to a priest to confess my sins when I can just go to Jesus. Yes. You know, so this was kind of, you know, I was a questioner. I got kicked out of catechism and, you know, different things because I questioned everything. And um, so by the time I was a junior in high school, I told my mom I couldn't continue to go there because it just didn't fall in line with the scriptures. And and she was fine with that. Um, so, this was just kind of, I had a whole lot of turmoil and a lot of turbulence through my life, lot, dealt with a lot of rejection and things, but um, our, my life always seemed to be off the charts when it comes to stressful situations, and uh, my husband and I um, got married, and I kept a lot of secrets from him because I was afraid he would reject me. Um, a lot of different things always were continuing. We ended up, um, we had a child um, that was born with on the autism spectrum. Um, we went through a time of where we had ended up, we adopted internationally, and it was a, an older child, and it was a very difficult experience. We had a daughter who 
decided she wanted to do things her way, and we had to let her go, and she came home pregnant. I deal with an autoimmune disorder. I, it was just, it always just seemed like there were always over-the-top difficult things in our life. So it got to a point our son on the autism spectrum ended up going through a very, you know, I'd always been involved in church, always very involved in church, women's Bible studies. Um, but then our son got very mentally ill after a surgery. He was he was doing well in, in high school and um, then fell into major mental illness, was psychotic, manic. Um, it, he went from being, you know, on honor roll to being unteachable. My husband and I had to be with him. One of us had to be with him 24 hours a day. We could hardly live in our own home with him. And he was in and out of psychiatric hospitals, and it was during this time where it, it really got to the lowest of lows, and I didn't want to live anymore, to be honest. And a friend gave me her house, stocked it up with more booze than you could even imagine, and I was just going to go spend the weekend there just drinking myself into oblivion. Well, as as God in his mercy, as I was um, leaving, um, grabbed my bag, but then I grabbed my Bible. Well, I probably drank about two sips of a beer when I was there and spent the weekend with the Lord. Um, and in through that, um, then it was a progression, then we, our son could no longer live in our home, and we had to put him in a support home with, with staffing, and that was very difficult. And at one point, we were leaving him, and we're driving home, and I'm just sobbing because I just felt like we had rejected him because we couldn't care for him anymore. And the Holy Spirit just spoke to my heart and said, when you look at your son, look at him with an eternal perspective. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. Where did that come from, and what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> well, yeah, so as, it sounds like you've gone through some of the difficult parts of uh, life. You've faced some of those sufferings, and uh, somehow God is taking you from that to serving as a women's Bible study leader and working in the area of Bible prophecy. I mean, what happened? What was the change that took place there? Well, I remember crying out to God one day, and I'm like, all right. I, I've grown up knowing that you're supposed to put God, you know, the, put the Lord first, and then others, and then yourself. We always taught our kids the joy principle, Jesus, others, and self. And then um, I'm like, but I don't even know anyone who lives like that. What does that look like, Lord? You know, what does it look like to put you first? And in my spirit, I hear, get rid of your idols. I'm like, whoa, Okay. Okay, show me what they are. What are they, Lord? Well, he started to show me. And um, it was probably the hardest, but the best year and a half of my life because it ended up becoming a year and a half fast, is how I can put it. Because I slowly, one thing after another, he would, he would show me, you know, TV. It became offensive to me, everything about it. So when my family would or you know would turn on the TV I was in the word it just it just became continuously with one thing after another and I would just spend all that time in the word of God and it even got to the point where I I walked away from almost all my friendships because it was like anything that takes you away from the word of God or from putting God first becomes an idol and I didn't want the, any of those things anymore 
And so then I'm I'm sitting in bed. It was about a year and a half later. I'm in bed just crying out to God one day, and it's like, what? All right, now what? I've given up everything. What What am I supposed to do? And it was, he brought me to that point. He's like, are you willing to be rejected for me? And I kind of sat there because he knew in my deepest heart of hearts what kept me from fully giving in to him was because of all the rejection I dealt with so much in my life. My dad rejected me as a, his child two days before I got married. So there, there was a lot of heaviness there, but he takes you to that very point. He knows the one thing that limits you, and he'll take you to that point if you let him. And I was like, okay, I'm willing. But then I'm like, now what do you want me to do? Because I've given up everything. I have no friends. And he's like, get them into my word. And I'm like, who? <laughs> I don't have any friends left. <laughs> yes. And it was just like, but feed my sheep. And I'm like, okay, then show me. Yeah, well, this is so powerful. And this is how real life is. You go through these messy periods of time, and yet God uses that to probe you with deep questions like, are you willing to be rejected for me? And then when we respond, He does something powerful that changes the direction of our lives. And we hope you're enjoying our conversation with Joanne. We're going to talk more about this after a break, so stick with us. We'll be right back with more on A View from the Wall. From I Am A Watchman Ministries, here's today's I Am A Watchman Minute. Is there more panic than peace in your life? If so, you're not alone, and there is hope. In 2 Kings 6, we read that an evil king sent his troops to find and kill the prophet Elisha. They found out where the prophet was and surrounded his camp in the night. When Elisha's servant woke and saw the enemy all about them, he panicked, but the prophet prayed. And when the servant looked out again, he saw God's army surrounding the enemy. Yes, God had their situation well in hand. Now, God's army didn't arrive just in the nick of time. No, God was and is always there. So have hope. God redeems, guides, and provides, and has established ministries like I'm a Watchman to be a support and blessing to you. Be bold. Be faithful. Be a Watchman. I am a watchman.com. Welcome back to A View from the Wall. We're talking with Joanne Arnett. And Scott, in this segment, we want to talk more about Joanne's journey in detail. So get us started as we continue our discussion today. Well, one thing that I really appreciate about uh, the, what we covered in our first segment, uh, Joanne, is just the, the reality of life and and how the Holy Spirit really takes us on a maturity journey. And it sounds like uh, I was just just waiting as you were unfolding your story there for the beauty of what the Lord has done in your life to really be communicated there. And it certainly like looks like that is an ongoing an amazing process that you're going through right there. You know, you were touching on it just uh, just barely there about how you took the, the things that the Lord was taking you through at that time and beginning to be challenged outwardly to involve other women in potentially a Bible study. Why don't you share with our listeners what that journey was like and, and what happened? Well, in the process of all this, you know, I was like, Lord, Okay, there's all these different teachings out there. I want your truth. Show me your truth. You know, it's like so many times reading the Bible that the the pastors were telling us to 
take a verse and see what it means to you. And it's like, it's all about you. It's not about me. It's all about you. If you are unchanging, you are holy, your word is your word, then that's where the focus has to be. It's your word. So what is your word? And in that process, he started to, to really show me. And as things went, you know, sometimes he would, I would go down, start going down these roads and something, I'd get a check in my spirit. It's like, that's not right. And I would, I just learned how to be a Berean and take everything back to the word of God. But then what happened then, it was like, okay, so now I need to start a Bible study. What am I going to do it on? And in that process is where he started to unfold and show me Bible prophecy. And I'll be honest, I'm not even, I can't even remember how it got to that point. But I wanted everything to be centered on God's Word. I'm like, then show me what I need to even teach. So I ended up finding the Bible Prophecy Study Guide by Dr. David Reagan, and it was all Scripture-based. And so he made it very clear that that's what I was to do. So I got on Facebook, and I went, okay, so who's going to come? I have no friends. But I put it I put it out there on Facebook, and I said, okay, anyone want to do a study on Bible prophecy, inbox me. <laughs> I didn't want, it was like, it's like, just do it privately. You don't have to say it out in the open because, you know, this is kind of weird anyways. And I set a date and I had 12 women from nine different churches show up at my house. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I was floored. Yeah. Yeah. Only and God I, can and, do that. Yeah. Yeah. And it just kind of started from there. And, and, um, so this has been, it's been seven years since I've been doing women's Bible studies. And so then I've, I've had one in my home and we just do the, we just do the word of God. And the thing is that that's different is like, Lord, I don't want this to be like the other women Bible studies where people just get off on tangents or going off on other things. I just had so many different experiences. I said, I want this whole thing based on your word. And that's why people stayed because it wasn't like other studies. We Or we simply a social on, situation, right? Right. And we, even with prayer requests, it's like I knew how women's studies got off and people would start sharing. Every, it's like, nope, we'll just we'll write it on cards at the end of the night and I'll send them out and we'll be praying. But I wanted it just totally focused on God's word. And we will only study books of the Bible. And and uh, and then from there, I ended up with another group that started on Fridays. We meet in a local Panera Bread we're like, let the rapture comes. That would be awesome because we have all kinds of Bibles laying out on a table and and uh, plenty for people to grab onto because none of us are going to be there. So, you know, we do that. And then now I've been doing one in our church Well, where they do uh, men's and women's. We all meet together and, we have, and we're doing the book of Revelation. And we're just finished Revelation chapter 20. And then I lead one of the women's groups with that. So... Um, God has expanded things a little bit, and I'm just very thankful for what He's doing in and through all this. Yes. That's amazing. And, uh, you know, let's shift gears for just a little bit here. I'm curious, uh, I know you've been to Israel, and I was privileged to be in Israel last October with my wife, Becky. How many times have you been to Israel? I've actually been there four times. I just completed my fourth one here in March, and that was just since December 2015. So that was my, my first trip was um, then we were supposed to go on another tour with some of the girls from our Bible study and their husbands. And the, my one, my best friend, Shauna, she's like, you know who would be really, I had introduced them to some different really good teachers. I was very particular. And I had come across Amir Sarfati, I think at Pastor Jack, in a, in a message and started listening. I'm like, whoa, he's solid. 
And um, she said one day, she said, you know, it would really be good if we could go on a tour with Behold with um, Amir Sarfati. She said, but he only does church tours. I'm like, oh, shoot. And um, But honest to goodness, two days later, we both saw it at the same time, I think, that Behold Israel was starting their own tours, and we called immediately and got our <laughs> got us on the tour. Um, and that was December of 2015, when it was just in its early stages of starting. There were only 32 of us on the bus, and um, that's where that kind of started. So, well, that's incredible. Um, so you've been to Israel several times now. I mean, what is it like when you start walking in the land where Jesus walked? How does that affect how you study the Bible and how you view life and ministry? Oh, it changes everything. It's it's like going from black and white to technicolor. Um, it just takes you right into the land where you're seeing His Word. And, and it's funny, because I thought I knew and understood the Word when I got there, but I was so overwhelmed on my first tour there. I, I'd, I'd end the day, and I'm like, where did we even go? I, I just wanted to absorb everything in the land. And it's like you would just be there and just all of a sudden you're, you would just be so over, or I would just be so overcome with emotion and, uh, you know, thinking this is, this is my, a trip of a lifetime. I'll never be back. But yet when I got back, my husband and I both were like, oh my gosh, we'd go back in a heartbeat. I mean, I mean, it's like a, a part of us left when we left there and, but it's, you know, I've done a lot of missions trip and missions work and stuff. And I knew how those feel, but this was different. It was like you feel like you are tied to that land. Uh, it, it's hard to explain. Scott, you probably understand. I do. Gone. Yeah, yeah, it is quite um, a perspective change. And I love what you said about it being in technicolor because it does bring a lot of things to life. For example, I think I've shared previously that our very first ministry stop there uh, was in Jaffa where – you know, Peter has the sheet lowered. I saw the rooftop where he was praying, and that was just jaw-dropping to realize, mm-hmm. wait a minute, I'm literally 20 feet away from where this happened. And it was just my mind kind of froze. I mean, just the, the magnitude of the realization, you know, of that was um, very, very um, interesting to experience. It was something mm-hmm. I'll never forget. Right. And, yeah. and at that point, it's no longer words in a book or words on a page. It's something that you see in front of you, and it does change you, and it changes the way that you view what happens in the Bible and brings it to life in a fresh way. So for those who've never had a chance to go to the land of Israel, certainly uh, consider it. Uh, I know Behold Israel is one wonderful place you can tour with. There are others as well, but going to the land where Jesus walked is something that will change your life, certainly, and, and has for Joanne. And uh, I hope you're enjoying our conversation with Joanne. This has been fascinating, dealing with real-life issues, how God has worked through that to change her and the lives of women in her Bible study and now others as she's expanded her ministry. And stay with us. We'll be right back with more on A View from the Wall. Welcome back to A View from the Wall. We've been talking with Joanne Arnett, and in this last segment, we continue our discussion about Israel, about Bible prophecy, and about what it means for us today. And one of the things we talk about on our program is this idea of being a watchman for the Lord, or in your case, being a watchwoman for the Lord. What does it mean to be a watchwoman for the Lord? What can you share about being a watchwoman? For me, it's part of obedience to what God has called me to do, to be able to um, 
spread spread the word of God and get people into His word and um, to connect people to God's word and um, really and and I think it's so helpful when you see the puzzle pieces of how God's word is fitting together through His prophetic word, especially in the days that we're living in now, and to be able to share that and to get that word out. So many times we're looking for um, some foundation of of things. Well, if you can say, look, I look look at the pieces, look of how Ezekiel is coming together, and and you know, look at you know, just pointing to different um, things that are going on that are biblical, so that people can see it's not just some fly by night book, but that it is an actual historical book that has things that have come together perfectly 100%, and things are still coming together perfectly 100%. So it's being able to connect, almost can help people connect the dots. And But being as a woman, unfortunately, I don't always think that people take us seriously. Hmm. You know, and I know that there are many things, you know, because you have in First Timothy chapter 2 with women teaching in the church, and I know it was even came down to this when I was questioning God in my testimony. At one point, I'm like, well, God, what about, when he told me to get them into my word, I'm like, well, what about men? And I hear the Holy Spirit just very clear say, my word is my word. So I had to go find what his word said. Whereas I understand that women teaching, you know, we're not to administer Christian doctrine to men, and we're not to exercise authority directly over men in the church, but we are to share the gospel with whoever will listen, whoever's Mm -hmm. heart's are open to hearing. So we should not be afraid. We should not be intimidated. We need to take Joshua <laughs> one night very seriously to be bold and courageous and and to do what God calls us to do, because ultimately we are accountable to God for what we do, not accountable to man or woman. And one of the things that I really love about what you're sharing there, Joanne, is that you know, one of the hallmarks, I think, of women is the sense of community is different. You know, how women perceive mm-hmm. community and the work of a watchwoman and a watchman is really about sharing. And if women are super strong in community, then I I kind of have the opinion that one of the reasons why there's more what appears to be more watchwomen than watchmen is because they're just involved more in warning others and being part of mm-hmm communicating God's truth, helping people to wake up as believers, taking them to the next level, explaining what's going on, sharing the gospel. It just seems to be so much more natural for women than it does for men. I know in my case, as a super big introvert, you know, that's an area that I struggle in. And I've always been curious what, maybe you can share with our listeners, what it's like uh, to be a watchwoman in the sense of that community and what the responsibilities are to share the gospel and to share what's happening today on the biblical timeline? Well, part of it is we have to not be afraid. Um, I think so many times men have, I'm just speculating here, but men are in business. They're, they're out there in the world. They have to make a name for themselves. If they turn people off with sharing the gospel, then they can lose their jobs. They can maybe lose promotions. May, you know, we're starting to see more and more of this Christian persecution in the world, and women tend to be more passionate about things. We're driven, you know, as we are to take care of our families, make sure our kids get what they need, make sure, you know, and it's like we can't, we don't just always stop within our families. We're, especially if we're being led by the Holy Spirit, we're going to be more apt to take action, or at least Mm -hmm. I can say that in my case, I'm moved 
to action, that it's like I can't rest until I do what God calls me to do. Um, and I think more and more women are, are, are sensing that, and many of them feel alone um, in their communities. And I think in some of these groups, it empowers them because then they can be encouraged in what they're doing, and then at least they have a group that they can come and be safe in, but then to go out and not be afraid to share in their families, to share in their communities, to share in this, you know, workplaces or, or whatever, you know, that, that I think there's more of that sense now of urgency that, that many of us have, whether it be men or women. I think the urgency is there to share the gospel, and we have to kind of go with how the Holy Spirit is moving us in that direction. Yes, I agree. And just to add a little bit of uh, perspective on that from my side, when I do my morning routine and go through my feeds of various uh, types like that, one of the most amazing things to me is that women are often those that have the most, I call it directness and intentionality about communicating things. And it's just uh, really impressive. And I so appreciate our sisters that are listening right now that have this burden of reaching out and being in community and helping those that are on various platforms to understand what's happening and, and why they need to take action and be serious about doing the Father's business right now. So uh, thank you for that perspective, Joanne. As you know, it's a tradition on our program to invite our guests to speak into the Watchman community globally. And last count I had, we were inbound, uh, I think just over 160 countries at this point. It's an amazing thing how the Lord is continuing to use the ministries of those that uh, join us on our show. I'd like to give you the floor right now and uh, have you speak directly to our community. Would you be willing to do that, please? Yes, my pleasure. I just want to encourage the saints to really seek the Lord and His Word first and foremost. There's no greater gift that you can give yourself in this life. Seek the Lord always for wisdom, discernment, knowledge, and understanding of His truth. Pray His will to be your will, and His desires your desires. Take on an eternal perspective. This life in the darkness that's mounting, as well as the trials and tribulations that we are daily confronted with, you know, is going to want to overtake you and to steal your joy. But keep your eyes focused on Jesus and His promises. Remember always that this life is a vapor in light of eternity and all that's ahead for us. Remember always, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world, and you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Persevere, saints. In the end, it will all be worth it. Maranatha, Jesus is coming soon. Amen. Well said, yes. So I love that idea of eternal perspective, and we hope that you take that with you as we conclude today's episode. Joanne, thank you again for joining us at A View from the Wall. And you may want to find out more about Joanne's ministry as she serves at BeholdIsrael.org. And you can read her featured devotional in our book, 99 Days on the Wall, right now at our website at IamAWatchman.com. Finally, we encourage you to check out IamWatchman.com and subscribe to our email for all of the latest updates. And you can also subscribe to us on YouTube or our podcast on SoundCloud. We look forward to joining you next time, and thank you for joining us on A View from the Wall. A View from the Wall, in association with I Am a Watchman Ministries, exists to equip a worldwide audience with biblical truth, sharing it with others, and being prepared for Christ's imminent return. The team seeks to encourage, inspire, and equip watchmen for such a time as this. For information about the ministry and upcoming events, visit IamAWatchman.com. 
A View from the Wall is made possible by the team of dedicated pastors, editors, and the many contributors of I Am A Watchman Ministries. To support our efforts, give online at IamAWatchman.com and click on the donate button. Thanks for listening and join us again next time on A View from the Wall.